With more than 200 accredited courses and more than 1,000 videos, the Police One Academy is a powerful online solution that provides department training programs with features that reduce time spent on records and policy management, credential tracking, and more. It is law enforcement training made simple and effective. For more information and to get a 30-day trial, visit www.policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. Hey, this is Jim Dudley. Jim, I read on the internet, which of course means it's true, uh, that the leading cause of death for Americans under the age of 50 is drug overdose. And now, of course, we're talking about all types of drugs. We're talking about cocaine and heroin. and But I want to focus again, one more time, we've done it before, on the opioid epidemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's clearly not going away. Um, whether or not it's doctor prescribed, you know, doctors definitely are prescribing opioids too generously. I mean, and then you have people who are doctor shopping, you know, where they'll go to one doctor for a prescription and then another doctor for another prescription and they're loading up on their pills. And, you know, that's part of the problem. But heroin is far more available today than it was in in my memory of, of watching this you know, universe of law enforcement. Um, and then you, of course, have the on the other end of the scale here, you've got cops who have been thrust into all manner of social you know, roles, you know, social worker and uh, you know, doctor even because they're carrying this naloxone with them and they're popping these people sometimes twice or three times a day with the naloxone to revive them from their overdose. Um, it's it's become probably one of America's biggest problems. Would you agree? Definitely. And, you know, I wonder if we created the monster ourselves. Uh, it's the perfect storm of the end of the war on drugs, right? Right. Everybody says it's a bad idea. Let's free up the thousands and thousands of people uh, in jails and prisons for drug uh, offenses, which... The numbers are, are not nearly like that. Certainly in, in federal prisons, the number um, of people in, in prison uh, for drug offenses are, are a high percentage, upwards of 50%, because of the, the high volume, the management level drug use, drug um, uh, trafficking. But you're also talking about long sentences. So in a, a county or a city, you might get a drug offender in for six months to a year. Uh, federal prisons, they're serving 15, 20, 25, 30-year sentences. And so they tend to stack up. But the statistics I've seen, less than 20% in, in state prisons for, for drug offenses. But uh, you saw the numbers on the internet. I've got the September 2017 Um, publication from PERF, The Unprecedented Opioid Epidemic. And they talk about deaths in the United States by peak years. So in 1968, there were 16,899 deaths from the Vietnam War. Uh, Suicides in 2015, 44,193. HIV AIDS in 95, 50,000. Car accidents in 1972, 54,000. And then in 2016, the number one drug overdose number 
of deaths in the United States, 64,070. Hmm. So more than three wow. times the amount of the Vietnam War in 1968. And they, that's in one year. One year drug overdose deaths in, wow. in the United States. So you've got... Uh, the end of the war on drugs, you've got a medical strategy to, re to address pain. So you have legitimate use prescription drugs. But like you said, I, th this wholesale, uh, you got a pain, here's a drug, here's an opioid. Um, and then you've got other harm reduction strategies. Uh, I've said it before, I am in favor of clean needles, not taking um, kits or condoms from prostitutes. Uh, but this harm reduction strategy goes steps too far when they talk about safe injection sites, in my opinion. No, now, I I'm, totally agree with you. I'm sure you'll get um, you know, people from the medical community saying it's absolutely necessary to save these people. Well, on the one hand, these are people who might not be uh, saved on the streets by cops administering naloxone. And I've got, I've got a mixed... Um, opinion on whether or not cops should be given out naloxone or Narcan as we know it. In a big city like New York or San Francisco or Boston or Dallas, where your EMS... Yeah, your EMTs are just as responsive. As, your response as, yeah. is, is virtually the same. Yeah. And now you have to train the cops. You've got to train them to do an assessment, administer the naloxone, and then be around for the aftermath, which may include uh, violent reaction, vomiting, some other medical thing. You've still got to call for the ambulance after you administer the naloxone. Right. And so we're double dipping on services. Um, yes, we are out to save lives. Cops. Cop in, in so doing, too, if you, have, if you have police and EMS at the same scene, you, a double dipping, as you'd said, yeah. you're, if you're doing one thing, you can't be doing another. Mm -hmm. Time is a zero-sum equation. So if you're yeah. at a scene with a with an OD, sure, you're not out doing proactive policing. You're not out investigating crimes. Agreed. You're not out taking reports from people who have had their purses or what have you stolen. So yeah. it you it's there's a there's a negative consequence that reaches far beyond just having the officer there. There right. you know it's it's you're using your resources. I think probably inappropriately, yeah. especially like you'd said, in a big city. Now, out in the sticks where EMS response might not be quite as sure. as quick. Yeah. Okay, I'll begin to listen to the argument, right? Yeah, no, I mean, if you are the sole car out on 300 miles of road, yeah, you better have naloxone and a first aid kit and, you know. AR-15 and a shotgun would be Everything be else you can carry, right, <laughs> yeah. to, to, to address the things that happen out there. But, uh, yeah, police are out to, to protect and serve, to save lives, but... Um, you know, what do we do? You know, are we enabling now um, to chronic um, abusers? I saw when we did have a response to this on, on one of our shows that people were saying, yeah, I, I did the same guy three times last week. So what do we do to, you know, what is the deterrent factor to those chronic users? Well, with the end of the war on drugs, there is no deterrent for the chronic users. No. Um, you know, but what we, I think, maybe want to do, you know, is, is go to, you know, you'd said the end of the war on drugs, right? Go to the source. You know, we, we have to maybe better enforce the laws with the medical community, or work with the medical community yeah. to say, look, you're, you're creating a big problem here. and You're, you're creating drug addicts, um, you know. Yes, you want to try and have, you know, pain reduction or what have you. 
try to find an alternative to you know an opioid uh, prescription. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe have better ways of tracking. You know, the doctor shopping thing where people are getting three or four different prescriptions from three or four different doctors and loading up on all these pills. Um, you know, we got to go to figure out a way to reduce this, the supply of heroin. Right. You know, it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a supply side problem. Sure. Because you're not going to, well, the other thing you're going to want to do is hopefully have some social services that's not police related where these addicts can go to rehabilitate and mm-hmm. get off of drugs right uh, yeah <laughs> i mean it's, it's a <laughs> high hope the, that's it's a high yeah, hope right but right that's the theory you, you have to provide if if you're not providing the service it's not going to happen. They're not going to do it of their own volition. Is what I'm saying. Oh no! And we lost that hammer when mm-hmm. we decriminalized drugs to the point of making them misdemeanors. Right. Uh, I mean, I th- when people make these laws, they they don't consider the fact that uh, a felony. The felonies were not issued or pursued with the hopes of putting somebody in prison for a lot of years. Like I don't know if that was anybody's strategy, but. At the very least, I mean, you know, upwards of 90% of our criminal cases are plea bargain. Yeah. So why not get that felony, hold it over their head, and then leverage it? Yeah, but leverage it so that they go to mandatory drug counseling, drug rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. And we've lost that ability with the decriminalization. I mean, guys are willing to stand on 30 days on standing on their head for misdemeanor, six months at the most as opposed to felony time. Uh, and so, hey, you know, part of my probation would be to go to every monthly meeting for a year. God, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go do my 30 days in the local Hooskow and be done with it. Yeah, it's it's really, it's a multifaceted problem that I think requires multiple types of response or solution. You know, it, it can't be just law enforcement's problem. Yeah. It has to be a problem that is shared across a wide spectrum of the government, of private sector, of even insurance companies, you know, mm-hmm. medical insurance companies have to attack this problem because as you I mean, that's staggering. 64,000 people dying in one year, three times that of the entire Vietnam War. I think it's, it's ridiculous. I think it's it's slated to increase this year. Yeah. And there's there's no looking back. I think we've seen the medical community start to own the problem as well. So as far as the prescription uh, opiates, they're starting, you know, doctors are going to jail. Um, The AMA is getting involved. Uh, There are pain alternatives discussed. Uh, There are there are all these strategies to wean people off of opiates. but as far as the criminal side, as far as the trafficking prescription meds and uh, cocaine and heroin and these other opiate-based drugs, um, if there is no consequence, there is no deterrent. Right. And so we got to get, get some deterrents in there. And I remember an old um, program that we had uh, called Drunk Hold for Court. And it was a similar problem with chronic inebriates in town literally crapping all over the landscape. Mm-hmm. So what do you do when you, you, know, you pick the guy up, you throw him in four hours, hold, you know, release when sober, four hours later, he's, he's back wobbly in. off and he, he wobbles off, gets another drink. And so you're, we're playing this cat and mouse game. Well, we, that, that system said essentially three strikes go, goes before a judge within 30 days. Judge can put him in a, 
a detox center and hold them for up to 30 days. I think we need to go back to something like that for these, these chronic drug abusers where you put them in some sort of de detention facility or dry out facility. Maybe it's not a, a work farm or a, a prison, but somewhere far from their local dealer where they're going to have an extremely tough time to, to get their, their fix. And maybe they'll listen up to the rehab program. Yeah. What are you doing in your jurisdiction with regard to prevention of uh, ODs, response to ODs? Are you carrying naloxone? Have you used it? Um, how many times have you used it? Send us an email or make a comment beneath this podcast. Policing matters at police1.com is the email address. That's policing matters at police1.com. Thanks again for listening.